Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Parenthood Podcast. If you're a regular listener, you'll know by now that we don't shy away from debate. A few months ago, I wrote an article for a newspaper about how I don't tell my daughter she's pretty. It's not that I don't believe she is pretty. It's just that I didn't want to suggest that how she looks was an important part of who she was. The paper then positioned it to be provocative and it certainly stirred debate nationally. The following day, I must have had about 20 requests to talk on TV and radio about what I had written about and to justify my bizarre idea that I didn't tell my poor daughter she was pretty. It was this debate that got me thinking that this is something we should really talk about with a professional on the parenthood. So today I'm delighted to be welcoming back one of our favourite professionals. Emma Gledhill is an educational speaker, trainer and coach who specialises in child and adolescent development and is one of the best positioned people to be able to talk about this. Emma, thank you so much for coming along again, being such a regular on the parenthood. I think this is a really interesting, interesting debate. Is it something you're asked about much? Is it something, I mean, you've, you've got a daughter yourself. Is it something that you found yourself wondering? It is something that I, I have thought about quite a lot and um, has come up in lots of discussions that I've had through my career as a teacher, um, obviously looking at the ways in, because I've often taught in girls' schools, for example. Um, so really looking at how... Um, self-esteem is constructed um, and how the media sort of puts certain sort of pressures on women has been something that's been uh, an evolving and a, a, you know improving dialogue that schools have had um, and certainly so when I think about that to do with girls I really also think we need to be going there with boys as well because we are sleepwalking into a situation where boys too are having similar objectification issues um the need to fit into skinny 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 jeans body con fashion um the need to be ripped um and all the pressures that are going along with that so how young people are able to see themselves we need to make sure they see themselves through lots of different lenses, not just the ones that, you know, I suppose are the low-hanging social fr- fruit, which are, oh, wow, you look good, or you've made an effort, or, you know, whatever. Um, what you focus on grows. And if you focus on appearance, then that focus will grow. We 
we have lots of unconscious communications that we need to be slightly more mindful of because we're all doing it, you know, and if, if our girls in particular are getting the same message, oh, don't you look lovely, aren't you cute, from, you know, 20 people, 30 people that they meet, they're getting quite a concerto of sort of messaging there that how they look, how they are appreciated, it, you know, are intertwined. Because it is it is interesting, you know, I definitely, when my children were younger, before I sort of thought about this, would use different vocabulary for my son and my daughter. You know, and I think from the moment they're born, people inevitably describe little baby girls that I, ultimately, I don't think look any different to little baby boys. Mm. When they're babies, they all look squished and a bit weird and quite similar. <laughs> um, but you sort of pick up a baby girl and go, oh, she's so beautiful. Look at her beautiful lips and look at her eyelashes. And boys, you're much more likely to go, well, doesn't he look strong and doesn't he look mm. feisty? And there is... He'll be trouble. Yes, exactly. Mm. And there's this this language that from the moment they're born is unconsciously used that has got to have then have an impact on them as they're sort of growing up. And mm. the more I think about it, the more it doesn't make sense. I mean, why should a girl want to look pretty and why should a boy have to be feisty? It mm. makes absolutely no sense. I mean, go to a local greetings card shop and look at the cards for babies, baby boys and baby girls. Often the greetings cards celebrating a newborn boy arriving into the world show lots of activity and action, whereas the greetings cards for newborn babies are very much more decorative um mm. you know still child in the pram sleeping beautifully um mm. yeah um and i remember i mean i remember when i was 14 15 feeling the pressure that i didn't look a certain way i remember being quite curious about beauty and talking you know when i was at secondary school with my friends about who were the prettiest girls in the class and 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 feeling that I definitely didn't quite conform to how I wanted to look. And this was obviously before the days of social media, you know, when, when you took a photo and then you took your film into boots and two weeks later you got some pictures and you take one picture of something as opposed to 50 pictures mm -hmm. of something. You, the selfie didn't exist. You know, this sort of scrutinization of our faces and our bodies that we have undeniably nowadays didn't exist. And I sort of think that if in the 1980s when I was an insecure 14 15 16 year old I was feeling that pressure what must the pressure be like for 14 15 16 year olds nowadays who are exposed to the constant presence of mobile phones I mean children must photograph be photographed hundreds of times a day now and as a result they're spending so much more time looking at their appearance analyzing their appearance and and also having the opportunity to feel insecure about their appearance mm. what I also think is really interesting about this sort of technological phenomenon where we've basically got a photo studio in the palm of our hands is that it's not just about taking a snap of ourselves because you can edit it as well so the snaps that we take even if they are deliciously constructed and you know most teenagers I know can, are able to take a selfie that you know <laughs> frankly cost me 300 quid to get out of a professional photographer lighting and makeup you know the, the image of me on my website you know I'm going to take with me to the grave I'm, I'm just satisfied with that <laughs> but you know but the certainly the kids I see at school you know they're able to really do quite a good job of taking their own photos but they also edit them and how much time does that take? I mean, when they could be doing something really constructive. 
Well, uh, what interests me about this is that even if they're not spending very much time on doing it, it's, it's like that image is just not good enough. Mm. It can always be bettered. Yeah. It can always be bettered. You know, the light could be different. Um, you know, and, and now there are <coughs> lots of apps where you can make the eyes bigger. You know, so you're essentially doing digital plastic surgery on yourself. And that but then, then potentially is... leads to actual plastic surgery. Well, if it doesn't lead to that, it certainly leads to a deep sense of unhappiness because not is there not only is there the gulf between me and Kim Kardashian anyway, but there is the gulf between the real me and the me that I photograph. So that sort of sense of a disconnection between the self I want to be and the self I actually am. So this sort of it fuels this dissatisfaction that we're somehow not good enough. And we're, we're almost internalising that with our, you know, capacity to do all these editing uh, rather than, you know, live the life, live the moment and see its raw energy with, you know, wrinkled brow or toothy grin. Mm. You know, that's authentic happiness that we see in those moments. But somehow they're not quite good enough. And I mean, there's there's a huge now rise in the amount of plastic surgery that teenagers are having, you know, the nose job, the lip jobs, the whatever it is. I'm, I don't know that much about it, but and there's got to be a link there. I mean, obviously, the sort of technological and medical advances are making all sorts of more things possible and they're cheaper. But surely the, the rise in the incidence of plastic surgery and the desire for people to change the way they look has to be linked to selfies and you know our increasing awareness of how we look well again it's um it's our inability to really tolerate and work through things that are a little bit dark and unhappy actually because it's easier to actually get it fixed up mm. than really work on ideas of who we are how we are of value um you know we we tend to want to shortcut misery, and rightly so. I'm not saying we should em embrace misery. But we should probably spend a lot more time thinking about what are my strengths? Where do I add value to the world and to the people around me? Rather than fixating on what we look like. And if only, if only my nose were straight, if only my nostrils weren't so wide, you know, if only uh, my lips were plumper, everything would be okay. Um, there is no end to what you can fix up in that sense. But what's not being tended to is the internal picture of how we see ourselves of, as being of value. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. I, I'm aware of how much time it all takes too. You know, I was sitting next to a girl on the tube the other day and I watched the process of her going onto Instagram, choosing the selfie that she'd taken, editing and filtering it. And I mean, when I edit and filter something on Instagram, it takes me about two and a half seconds because I don't really know what any of it does. But this process took a very, very long time. And then uploading it onto the different sort of platforms. And then it didn't end. Then she kept on scrolling down and just seeing how many likes it was generating. And it really made me stop and think that this girl had spent 20 minutes, 25 minutes with this whole process. I then left the tube and I don't know how much longer it continued, but it was basically 25 minutes that could have been really constructive or thought provoking or making her feel good about herself because she's reading a great book or listening to a great podcast or whatever it is um, that was basically fueling this insecurity that she didn't 
look quite good enough and did people like the way she looked and could she do it better next time and that seems such a tremendous waste of life mm. it, it it is I mean it, it's okay if that's something you do for a special occasion but when it's something that is the pattern and you, you know you have the compulsion because that's what your tribe do to continually be uploading images and of course you know these days there are you know child and teen entrepreneurs who can make serious money out of doing this you know there is a sort of industry to it but it's I suppose you know thinking about the parental point of view it's making sure that there is real range in what they do you know we all live in this world that is busy and distracted and we spend very little time being and we can spend all our time doing you know, the world of a teenager maybe got eight, nine, ten GCSEs to contend with, various, um, you know, CV building activities, you know, particularly if they're looking towards university. So they're going to this club, that club, whatever. Uh, their time is highly, highly structured and they're doing, doing, doing. Um, and they've got no time to really sort of reflect and think about, but who am I? Who am I really and who do I want to be? Mm. What is it, you know, how, how, do I, how do I want to take my position in this world? And so, you know, the, the fixation with appearance and doctoring it and transmitting it, it's another distraction that keeps us away from that important work we need to do um, as teens and as adults on really, who am I? What am I becoming? And... What do I want to be? Yeah. And as parents, we need to make sure our kids can cope with a bit of stillness and that we have conversations with them that try to actually stimulate those kinds of reflections. So instead of <clears throat> commenting on how they look, and of course, you know, it's, it's so easy to do. It's so, we want to do it because we see they care about their appearance. So when they've you know, prettied themselves up or done themselves up and they look amazing. We want to sort of validate their efforts. But in a way, there's something that's slightly counterproductive about that. Because again, it goes back to that unconscious messaging that we're compounding with the culture that's all around us, which is that how we look is part of how we're valued. So we've got to make sure we've got our eye on that sort of sense of balance, balance between what they do, balance between how they perceive themselves. And we open many doors of conversation that help them see themselves through other lenses, through their different character strengths, um, through a different form of beauty, a form of beauty that's not objectified, but a form of beauty that is really to do with their inherent self, the way they show up for other people. Um, you know, so I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about <clears throat> kindness, bravery. Um, I'm thinking about their resourcefulness, their zest for life, their curiosity, you know, their ability to be really caring and show love to their friends. You know, when, when we really think about what we want to focus on uh, and how easy it is, how, easy the, how easily the world focuses on how we look, we need to make sure we also focus on how we are. And that's the balance that, you know, we can, we can mindfully try to achieve. 
So I certainly wouldn't want parents to think, oh, no, but I've been saying this for years. You know, I mean, I, I must admit, you know, I've, as an educationalist, we have a lot of training from Carol Dweck's school of thought about growth mindset that, you know, you, you don't tell your children that they're clever. And of course, you know, cleverness is like prettiness. It's really something that's in the hands of other people. You know, we're always going to, no matter how clever we actually are, we're always going to suddenly find ourselves in, in some place where we're not clever. Yeah, so it's someone's opinion whether or not you're clever in the, way, in the same way that it's someone's opinion whether or not you're pretty. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And what Carol Dweck says, and what so many schools have really taken on board, is that we can counteract a certain amount of brittleness and risk-averseness by making sure we are not praising the outcome you're so clever, or aren't you pretty? Don't you look great? We're actually looking for praising process, praising the things that they do that actually sort of contribute to their strengths, the strengths that they show that lead to that achievement. You know, you're beautiful because you are such a good friend, or, you know, you're, you're, you know, you are beautiful because, you know, you showed such staying power there. So a, a kind of different, you know, I would look at beauty in a much more rounded sense. You know, what power you showed in that moment. You know, Because all of that is beautiful, you know. There's mm. a very big difference between sort of 2D and 3D beauty. And, and the beauty that we see in people is very, I mean, certainly not, you know, in my book, based on what they look like it's on how mm. how they are mm. and what kind of a person they are uh, you know as i say even though as an educator and my interest in psychology tells me not to praise the outcome i still do it um i know that i've called my daughter clever many times and preened myself over moments of cleverness but i catch myself doing it and i make sure i balance it out and i try to avoid it and what's the thinking behind that, you know, from, from the, the growth mindset point of view? I mean, I read somewhere mm. that, you know, if you say you are the prettiest or the cleverest, there's actually a certain amount of negativity associated with, you know, having to keep that mental of being the best, the prettiest, mm. the cleverest. And so there is a lot of energy wasted on the fact that they're worried about losing that mantle and they have to stay there as opposed to energy spent on becoming better and more, 
you know, knowledgeable or mm. more well-rounded or more tenacious. Mm. I mean, I like to think of it in terms of like, you know, playing the piano, which I don't play. So I, I'm totally ignorant of how many octaves we've got on a piano. Um, but it restricts the range because we want to stay within a certain range where we've had that praise. And therefore, we avoid taking the risk of spreading our little T-Rex hands that are right in the middle of that comfort zone on the keyboard. So we don't take the risk to extend our range. That's the, that's the, that's the nub of the problem, really. Um, Dweck's research showed that children who are told that they're clever and are rewarded for their cleverness... They seek to keep that crown, as you say, and and they will avoid anything that unmasks them as being less than clever or less than pretty. Um, And therefore, they shut themselves off a little bit from the full range of experience that they could have. And of course, that full range of experience makes them a little bit more um, resilient and gives them more real coping strategies. You know, what about the days when you actually have a bad hair day or you've got you know it might you know in my experience of adolescence it could take weeks for that goddamn zit to go from my chin you know so I had to live life with Krakatoa for all that time and still try to show up for my lessons and be there with my friends and all that kind of thing you know and similarly though those times when actually something's not really going right in your academic work you know or your your business life you know to make sure that you're able to stay with those difficulties and and learn there's learning there there's Mm. learning to be had there there's learning and growth from not just success in fact there's more growth to be found in you know those points where we have to dig that bit deeper and also we learn to be a bit more tolerant of ourselves We talked about sort of parents modelling behaviour for their children. So when we're talking about this sort of image that we have of ourselves, there's obviously vocabulary you can use, and I've sort of resolved not to use the word pretty, and, you know, it's good not to use the word clever. And we've talked about the sort of different adjectives you can use to still praise your child, but praise them in a constructive way. What about behaviourally? Is there stuff that we can do that will... Be, provide us you know with good opportunities to model to our children you know our own vulnerabilities you were talking about the sort of the, the bad hair days and the zits do we as parents when we don't feel great do we say that to our children and say oh god I feel really uncomfortable about great this great big zit on my cheek or do we sort of say just sort of as if it doesn't matter because ultimately that's the message we want to send that it doesn't matter if you've got a big zit or is it that it's okay to feel vulnerable about having a zit yeah I I mean I think there is definitely there's definitely mileage in thinking about how we show up over appearance issues and you know one of the best tools in our armory is humor for example and to actually you know to go to that vulnerable place to say to our kid you know because because basically if you your daughter's anything like mine, she will probably tell you if you haven't noticed yourself. Mummy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got a great big spot on your right eye. You know, <laughs> you know actually talk to the Krakatoa in the room and, and, and be able to have a laugh about it. You know? And I think that is important for, you know, for kids as they're growing up, as they're becoming 
going into that gangly, awkward time in early adolescence where more is changing in their brains and bodies than at any other time in the womb, than when they were in the womb, you know, after being in the womb. They are changing a lot. And some of that change is actually quite psychologically difficult to get your head around, you know, um, because the dawning of breasts and breast buds in young girls and you know girls are hitting puberty a little bit younger now so around the age of 10 and Mm. of course so some are getting breast buds slightly before that some later than that but of course that changes the way in which we interact with our cuddly child when they start getting a waist and a bum and boobs you know those sort of hugs and snuggles we suddenly become a little bit more mindful oh I mustn't put my hand there Mm. So they've got that sort of psychological task of coming to terms with their adjusting body, as well as sometimes the just sheer disappointment of aspects of adolescence, which involve, you know, having spot or, you know, your jaw hasn't quite caught up with the size of your teeth. You know, those kinds of things that, you know, the need for orthodontics or, um, you know, we're growing into our bodies and it's not necessarily all that easy at times. So we've got to be able to you know, puncture that sort of idea that, you know, if we're not perfect, you know, the world stops. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can imagine a lot of parents are very positive when it comes to their children and they praise them and they think they are the most beautiful and they would never say that they're too fat or too ugly or whatever it is, but they're very critical on themselves. And, you know, you very often hear women going, oh, I'm feeling really fat today or my hair looks awful today. How much of that sort of self-criticism is rubbing off on our children in a negative way? And is it quite important for us to be a bit more positive about our bodies Mm. and model it that way so that we're hopefully... uh, that positivity rubs off on our Mm. children. I mean, I don't want to mother bash because there's enough of that that goes on. But I think, yeah, we do have to watch it because the messages we give off about ourselves and our diets and, you know, our our own preoccupations, they're not going to cause dysfunctionality in the ways our girls, children view food and their bodies. But they can be a contributory factor Um, So we make sure that we are giving positive messages about, you know, enjoyment of life, food, our bodies, our strengths and coping strategies for acknowledging and working with what weaknesses we have. So when we do lots of negative self-talk, we're teaching our kids something they already know how to do really well which is negative self-talk, particularly where appearance is concerned. Because there's always someone out there who's bigger, brighter, shinier, you know, better at applying blusher than we are. Yeah, and it's it's so hard. It's so hard. So we, we must try not to fuel it. Um, and again, we've talked often, the two of us, about embracing that vulnerability and being able to talk to it and talk to our children about it. It's easy to want to fix and solve it, you know, they say, oh, I look so awful. And we say, no, you don't, darling, you look so beautiful. Um, that's really, you know, it's it's meant with kindness, it's meant with love, but it's actually not quite sufficient to meet them where they're at with how they feel. Cause where so what is at- the response to that? I feel so, I feel so ugly today. <clears throat> well, ask them, well, what, what do you mean? Where, where are you, what is that? Where, where are you feeling that? 
you know, actually slow slow them down a little bit and explore what it is they're saying and what it is they're feeling. Because actually sometimes we end up shortcutting to something that we think they're saying, which is I feel so dissatisfied with the way I look. So sometimes getting them to slow down and just reflect a little bit more um, and asking them questions about it. So so w- what you're seeming to say is that, you you know, you've got to be you've got to be really thin to feel really good about yourself. Is that what you're saying? You know, and, and just asking them questions about, you know, do you, do you think that's, do you think that's really true? Um, and, and I suppose teaching them to embrace that our bodies function, what they look like doesn't really <clears throat> matter. It's that they work. That is the main important thing. I mean, would you rather have thin legs or legs that work really well and you can walk and run and climb and do all these amazing things that life can offer does it really matter whether they're a centimetre thicker or not? I think that's quite an important conversation mm. to, to have that mm. I remember very well. I had a boyfriend once who kept on telling me that I could be a little bit thinner and I'd be so much prettier if I was a little thinner. And I remember thinking, oh, for goodness sakes, my body works. I'm never ill. I'm so grateful for that. And reflectively, I'm really grateful that I had the presence of mind because I don't remember having this conversation with my parents. Mm. But somehow that you know, that, and I don't want to say wisdom because I even say, I think I was particularly wise at the time, but just, you know, that in, in, I just didn't want to be sucked into that. Well, maybe it was just too much effort. Maybe I just liked food too much. That was being really pragmatic. <laughs> yeah. But people who are giving you that, that, those messages, they're not keepers, are they? No, he wasn't a keeper. <laughs> and luckily I realized that, <laughs> but you know, that conversation that, you know, your legs are strong and that your rib cage is big enough to accommodate your lungs that enable you to run really fast and enjoy life. Are those important conversations to have? Yeah, I think so. And also, I think, you know, as you said before, thinking back to the time we wasted when we were young, feeling bad about how we looked, when actually, you know, they're probably at peak. You know, I think now, you know, my goodness, you know, I spent all that time worrying about, you know, cellulite you know my god you know now I could tell you about cellulite um but I I, you know I I think it's really about um being able to be real with them about what it is they're feeling acknowledging you know that they're not alone in that feeling um and giving them various strategies to be able to talk about what it is that's you know getting under their skin why it is why it matters you know I think as a coach one of those real important questions is you know, what about this is really important for you? It makes them kind of go a little bit more to the heart of the problem rather than just sort of accepting, well, I don't look like, I don't look like Kim Kardashian or I don't, you know, I don't look like Taylor Swift um, or I don't look like, you know, the alpha girl of Mm -hmm. year 10. Um, It's actually thinking, slowing down with them, how are they feeling about it? Why is that? Being curious rather than wanting to shut it down. Because until we understand a little bit more about what it is they're seeing and feeling, we get more information about what it is that they need to hear and need to see. And of course, it's not about us telling them. Ideally, it's about us showing showing them. And sometimes that's a little bit of our stories, but it's also about, again, modelling, how we are modelling what we what we do and I think when we're talking about diet we're talking about healthy eating 
healthy eating. Uh, you know, we're watching what we eat, what we drink, why it's important for our well-being. Uh, why, it's, why it's important because having enough fuel helps us sleep sleep better at night. Um, that it's a balanced diet, uh, and that we're very very careful about. Um, you know, going for those fad diets that sort of somehow cut out certain food groups that we start to model, um, you know, disordered eating in a way, where suddenly they start developing various prohibitions around, you know, massive food groups, for instance. Um, I mean, I've, I've done my time on duty at school in the in the dining room. And I would always make a point of, you know, not just standing by the bins, which is what you're kind of supposed to do. I would sashay up and down the rows and see what people were eating Mm. and looking at what teenage girls are eating, what they've got on their plates when no one's looking. It's quite interesting, you know, the amount of yellow food that is there or the way in which they're eating maybe a little bit of dry pasta and a lot of olives and cucumber sticks. Um, Mm. uh, and actually really paying some attention to that. And I think part of that feeling of looking, feeling rubbish about yourself is a sort of natural part of growing up, isn't it? I mean, I don't think there's anyone in the world that sort of has felt brilliantly positive about themselves at every stage in their lives. You know, people aren't born with that confidence. And there's a certain amount, I think as a parent, you love your children so much, you don't want them to have any hardship in life. And you you also, when they're little, you sort of want to, you want to solve everything. And that's easy uh, when, when they're little, because you can pick them up and give them a cuddle or give them what they want to eat. But when they're 14, 15, 17, you know, their insecurities are impossible to resolve. Mm. And I suppose there's an there's also quite a lot to be said about the admission of we all feel a bit like that I remember feeling like that when Mm. I was 17 and it's not that you aren't good enough it's that that this is the process of maturation that Mm. you know people do go through a bit of an insecure part but it will get better and you will realize that the things you don't like are actually you're really grateful for Mm. that that conversation is is an important one to have that acknowledgement that life isn't always rosy Mm. that there are days when you just feel a bit rubbish about yourselves and you feel a bit uncomfortable about how you look or how you are or what you're achieving but those things pass there's a huge amount of beauty that's actually about your attitude isn't it you Mm -hmm. know I I often get told rather firmly by my husband when we're going through customs and immigration anywhere to uh, ditch my bitch at rest face (laughs) and to you know smile and radiate inner peace you know there's something rather beautiful about that you know um that isn't there in the most perfectly made up face that's actually set like a mask Mm. um you know actually on my on my tube journey here earlier today I was sitting near um mother and daughter and the girl was, I would estimate, about year 10, about 14, 15. She was spectacularly beautiful, immaculately made up. Um, and obviously they were out for for the day doing something lovely together, I hope. You know, and, you know, I, I wish them all the joy that I can. But really, sometimes pointing out to our imperfect teens that, you know, whether it's Kim Kardashian or whether it's the perfect a-list girl in your year group it takes a lot of energy to look that good and also I, I i don't know kim kardashian but i would hazard a guess that she's 
probably very insecure that she has moments mm. or long periods of time of sort of self-doubt you know very often the people that present as being the perf- most perfect yeah. are the ones that are the one that are most plagued by that insecurity right. and that self-doubt and that feeling of not fitting in mm. so even though that snapshot that you're getting in those moments when that veneer is truly on and through their instagram and whatever the reality is that actually they might be deeply insecure about how they look but yeah. it's manifesting itself in this I must look look as mm-hmm. if I'm having a great time and you know like the parenting thing I see this with parents the you know parents that kind of look like they're nailing it all the time and they never mm. get angry and that the children are always really well behaved often the ones when you scratch the surface that are struggling the most mm. it's the mothers that don't have the time with that and sort of embrace that imperfection even publicly saying God, you know what? I screwed up today as a mother. And look, here's a picture of my kitchen after dinner time or whatever it was. Yeah. That that celebration of vulnerability, those are often the ones that are nailing it. Yeah. Maintaining 100% perfection or even not even 100% perfection, but that everything's happy, everything's good, everything's great, everything's fine. You know, it's all good. Um, well, actually, we live on an emotional spectrum and if all is healthy and good, we will be visiting those warm, happy feelings, calm feelings, but also anger and sadness and anxiety several different times a day. And if we shut ourselves off, it goes back to that sort of, you know, the keys on the piano. If we only allow us to stay in that little safe zone in the middle, you know, we're missing, we're missing out. It's how we deal with those imperfections. It's how we communicate around those vulnerabilities um, that start to really install a sense of real self-worth that um, you know I can tolerate my imperfections that it's actually okay and in fact I'm probably stronger because of them you know we can we, we find it quite hard you know because I often ask parents in workshops but also boys and girls, teens, I ask them, you know, how many character strengths can you name? And actually, again, we've got a very limited range coming up. Very few ever get beyond 10 character strengths. There are actually 24 of them. Um, You know, and yet if you ask the flip side of that, how many faults, how many character faults can you name? Oh, my God, they just come pouring out. You know, we are sort of wired to the negative. We're wired to the threat. We're wired to the deficit. Um, and that's been healthy for our survival. It's kept us at the top of the food chain, etc. But it hasn't equipped us well for the minor threats we experience now, which are often psychological, you know. Mm. Um, oh, someone didn't like what I put up on Instagram at the weekend. Um, gosh, does that mean that people actually disapprove and don't like that? And does that affect the way they see me now? Um, And the rumination that stays with that. That's so interesting what you say, you know, now in the 21st century, you know, we are, we live longer, healthier lives due to vaccinations and medicine. And probably the biggest epidemic is is that of mental illness. Mm. And that's what we need to equip our children to deal with, that sort of navigating that cult of perfection that has been thrust in their face from the moment they are aware. Mm. Um, so 
in terms of adjectives, what are good adjectives to use? If we're not going to call our children pretty <laughs> or handsome or talk about sort of their looks, what, what adjectives are we going to use uh, instead? Okay. Um, creativity. Good judgment. Um, zest for life. What a great listener. Um, the staying power. Yeah. Their ability to be optimistic. Um, resilience their resourcefulness, that they went about things in a different way and they, you know, they worked around a problem, their kindness, their care and love, their humour, that they're funny, teamwork, um, curiosity. You know, they found something out. They were really, you know, they, they were good detectives there. Um, you know, we, we need to find a wider range of things to celebrate. So there's just a little snapshot. Yeah. But for instance, if parents are interested in this, um, there's the VIA character um, website where you can do uh, a questionnaire. It takes about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, asks you about 120 different questions. And it then ranks your own character strengths. So you'll get the full list of 24 different character strengths that you possess. And you'll be able to see which ones are at the top of your list and which ones are lower down. I was rather heartened to find that humility was my 24th character strength. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a starting point for you to get your own vocabulary about the different character strengths that exist. You can start looking for those in your child and finding those moments to celebrate those with active, constructive praise. Yeah, you know, an active, constructive praise was, oh, that was really brave. And then you continue stacking the dishwasher. Yeah. You know, active, constructive praise really builds on how did you feel when, wow, that was so brave. I saw you on that zip wire. Oh my God, what did you do? How did you, how did you actually, you know, so you, you, you get them to actually relive and savour that moment of strength. And ideally, in that slowing down for that positive emotion, we try and get them to say where they felt it in their bodies. Because, you know, that's how we make lots of neural connections. So if we want to embed the positive character strength, when they show it, we help describe it and embody it and celebrate it and savour it. Because like I said before, we're wired to threat and the negatives. So we are like Teflon for the good and we are like Velcro for the bad. So what we need to do is Velcro up the good stuff. Mm. Really help that live within their minds. It's not about making them big-headed. It's about something they really did. And it's going back, it's linking to the Dweck research, which is, you know, focus on the process the character strengths what they actually did in order to achieve whatever success it was and how they can apply that in future situations exactly and what you focus on grows you see their body language as well as you do this description you know i see it in my coaching sessions where i you know get kids who are really stuck to find the thing that worked and we try to get into Really, how did it feel? What was that lived experience like? And you, you, you get a whole shift of energy there around that. So yeah, thinking about how we can counteract the, you know, the stress that we have on the low-hanging fruit of um, appearance or cleverness, trophy hunting, 
success and where we can really go to these points about being who they are who they are and what they're becoming and who they want to be that's amazing i've <laughs> i can't wait to see my kids this afternoon to start <laughs> building and actually i think i wonder if you've got older children you can do this test together you can discover sure. the character traits yeah. together and if you've got a little gloomy 15 year old Ooh. who's feeling a bit rubbish about life maybe yeah. that's a really nice exercise to do as as a you know, mother daughter for sure i mean you can ask them what do you think you know i did this i did this it's so hilarious guess which were my top ones and bottom ones and you can ask them what do you think yours are yeah so you start to you know again start with them get the get because you'll learn then what what things are they valuing and what are they maybe not valuing so much uh, and then that gives you some information about how to counteract that. The um, character survey that I mention is one that is um, born of scientific research. It's uh, from the work of uh, Professor Martin Seligman, who is the uh, godfather, father of positive psychology. And this very survey is used in the education system in America, and it's also used in their military um, psychological fitness work. Um, so they use um, the character strengths survey to identify character strengths and to help people nurture their well-being particularly like in the military when under pressure by making sure they are exercising and building on those character strengths um, and to be honest as an educator as well thinking about parenting teens through difficult choices like what GCSEs they should do what A-levels they should do uh, what university course they should take it's very easy for us to go with well what are you good at rather than who are you and what's going to make you really happy? Because, you know, that investment in what they choose to do at university is going to set them up for that three years and for further decision making. So really making sure they're going with the grain of their personality, what gives them zest, mm. what what fuels them and nurtures them rather than just what they're good at. You know, because, you know, you might get to Cambridge if you choose modern foreign languages Um or whatever it is um we really make sure we're we're building them from the inside out and we're helping them understand how they work from the inside out rather than that sort of tendency we have to trophy hunt well emma as ever this has been amazing really informative really interesting um so thank you so much for coming to join us again do check out emma's website it is emmagledhill.com i'll put a link into the episode notes but it's um gledhill spelled g-l-e-a-d hill um so do have a look at her website for more information she's got parent teacher workshops and also her work as a coach which um is fascinating and thank you all for downloading another episode of the parenthood don't forget to subscribe rate and review us and if possible spread the word about this podcast the more listeners we get the more episodes we can record but in the meantime from emma and me thank you very much for listening bye hey it's paige Desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.